Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello, uh, welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. Um, you may see that we've got a, uh, a guest we've had on before. Hello, Reese. how are you? Hello, I'm back again. Very pleased to be back again. I think uh, last time I was on, um, I think quite a few quite a few students have listened to it and quite a few members of staff, so they appreciated the banter, so I'm glad they were yeah, <laughs> back, uh, back on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's really good just to ponder ideas and to discuss and get you back on as well. I know we've already just been talking just beforehand and I've already got something lined up to get you back on in the future. Maybe it might be a sort of tag team sort of event on this one. But um, but for those people that haven't like um, listened to previous podcasts, obviously I urge you to do that. But can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? And I know there's been a change since we've last spoken to you as well. Yeah, so my name's Reese. So I work at uh, Leeds City College. Uh, I've worked here for three years and I teach sociology, um, but I've also taught politics, history and everything else in between. Um, but I've just been, since our, our last conversation, promoted to programme manager for social sciences. So since I've come back, I've been dealing with some new challenges and some new issues, which I think will be really, really good to talk about, particularly around supporting staff and, and staff needs and getting people ready for for the new year so uh, i kind of jumped straight into that uh, role really and uh, luckily i've had a really good manager that's been helping me through that but it'd be nice to come back and talk about those challenges uh, and whilst i'm here i'll also do a plug for my youtube channel um, i haven't <laughs> uploaded for a while um, but i've run a youtube channel called simple philosophy uh, and there's some quite popular videos that are related to philosophy but also some crossover with sociology so baldriard mark fisher tend to be the most popular who i think we're going to be talking about today as well mm -hmm. um and if you are terribly interested i also write various articles for various uh outlets as well which i'm sure you can find online um so that's that's me excellent so fantastic so thank you we are going to take you back on to talk about uh, your new, new role as a head of oh no not head of part head of program manager that's program managers here but it's pretty much i think in schools they'd be like heads of departments yeah or yeah or little heads of faculty sometimes like it depends how big your faculty is but yeah we'd love to hear more about that journey and how that's how you're sort of navigating because i know there are lots of people that are taking on a new role this year either as uh, who are not sociology specialists and are taking that on or people that are new to it as well so it'd be great to unpick your brain about how that's working for you um but we'll get you on and talk about that in the future today we're going to talk about post-modernity post-modernism which seems like a bit of fun and the reason i suppose that we, I, I personally have chosen to discuss this with you is i'm sort of i i'm with my year 13s i'm you know, at the point where I've sort of talked about it at the end of year 12 as part of the theory, year 13 theory methods debates, um, you know, do we live in a postmodern society uh, and sort of filtering that also into the social science debate. And then we sort of pick my first lesson back, you know, summer holidays, you know, straight back with the students. So, you know, human human bar chart, uh, do we live in a postmodern society? And they're like, uh, I've just been chilling. <laughs> yeah, I think you could see their faces. They were like, oh, Oh, we're not having like a hi. How was your summer holiday lesson? Uh, straight into it. So, I mean, I suppose my question is: postmodernity. When, how do we teach that? I mean, obviously, I think we, we cannot not teach it. All, we have to teach it all the way through. Like that's a given. Um, but I suppose it's the depth of treatment. I suppose because um, you know, obviously, the intensity of that increases, particularly within the theory and method debate. But I suppose my first question is. When do you introduce it? I know there's lots of discussion on the, the Facebook page at the moment about whether we do a, a theories 
period, which isn't your units. And then, you know, how do we go about teaching post-modernity? And yeah, tell us a little bit about it. So the way I planned the sociology course is holistically. So a lot of the stuff that they will be learning in second year, I actually introduce in the first year, and then we keep coming back to it and repeating it. So with post-modernity, I actually start it in the first year when we get to families and households, because it does come up as part of the uh, some of the debates in families and households. Um, so generally, I'll introduce it there and explain it as a historical period. Um, and I do a set theory when, when they come back after half term uh, between September to uh, October, we do that theories module and go in depth. And then as we go through crime, we keep looping back to it. So in families, um, in the module that, that we introduce it in, uh, I think it's on like the debate on family diversity between modernism and postmodernism. Uh, I'll generally introduce it as a contrast between the two. Uh, although I do, I do go a little bit outside of the specification where I'll contrast early modernism with modernism and then postmodernism. Uh, and I actually have a handout which I could probably show you where we contrast it using art uh, movements as well ah. as society. So if we look at uh, early modern art, for example, it'll have a realistic depiction of the image. For modernist art, uh, I use the screen. And then for the postmodern art, there'll be a picture of Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone as the screen to kind of pick up that postmodern irony and, and, and those shifts that, that occur. So I introduce it gradually in that way in terms of the, the planning. Uh, in terms of students' responses, though, I've had some very extreme responses, uh, kind of like what you were saying when you were introducing it in the class over the years. So when we do the actual theory lesson on postmodernism, I have students that absolutely love it and the bizarre nature of it all and the fact that there's no truth and everything's quite loose and uh, rigid and it's quite liberating uh, for some students in that way. Whereas I've had other students that have become very frustrated and had to take a moment out and then come back in to get their heads uh, around what we're doing. So varied responses. Yeah, so is that sort of, and I think when we talk, spoke about it before, it's that holistic approach that's particularly with, with theory, that it's not something you just pick up and then um, like, you know, and then leave. It's, it's something that we have to look at each each lesson. For this sort of, I suppose we post-modernity, I, I don't know if you find this, but, and I think you've alluded to it, like the students need some time out sometimes to reflect on some of the ideas around this. I mean, maybe it's just my interpretation, but what I sense is that for some of the students, it's not as maybe as concrete as some of the other theories that you sort of, we teach, like functionism and feminism, Marxism potentially. Um, and that actually it feels a bit more abstract for students. Um, how do we, you know, I'm just thinking about some of those concepts that you've just sort of mentioned. How do you go about sort of framing that in a more um, digestible way for students because I know for some students it's and, and for some teachers as well if you're sort of new to, to sociology how do we sort of present it in a way that is something they can uh, hook on to as an idea there's sort of any strategies you use in order to do that yeah so generally I'll split postmodernism and postmodernity into two separate parts so they can grasp the theoretical aspects of it first and then look at how that might apply to society. So for me, postmodernism would be what would be called the post-structuralist philosophers. So it's Foucault, Deleuze, uh, Derrida, Baldriard. Um, and we'll do quite a lot of explaining of the, the prison, for example, Foucault's idea that we're living in a prison all the time, 
um, the idea of uh, difference by Derrida and how identities aren't set or Deleuze's idea of schizophrenia that not schizophrenia is in the uh, psychological sense, but in a we're in a constant state of flux and understanding that things are constantly moving, constantly changing. Um, so I'll explain it in that sense and go through why they would argue there's no truth. So the example that I'll often use is during debates, we talk about relativism within sociology and within theories. So I'll say, obviously, for you guys, you believe that the sky is blue. Is that correct? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, that's correct. Yeah, of course, the sky is blue. And I say, ah, but if you can't see the color blue and you see the color blue as red, is that necessarily true? And they go, mm, no, but then science would tell us that, 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 that that's blue, that color's blue. And I was like, well, why do you believe that that color up there would be blue? And then they don't really have an answer. They say, well, it's just because somebody told us. And I was like, this is what the postmodernists are, are getting at. Just because someone in, in a, an authority figure, whether it's me as a teacher, whether it is someone in a white coat, whether it is uh, someone in your family has told you something is as it is, we just go along with that question in it. And so what the postmodernists are trying to do is actually get you to, to question that and eventually realize there's no fundamentals to our universe. And for the stretch and challenge, um, there has been some psychological articles as well, which has found that different species obviously interpret the same universe different, differently depending on their own perspective as well. So you can actually take it even further. So get the heads around that, which eventually they kind of grasp that idea and some find it a bit pie in the sky. It meets those stereotypes of what sociology uh, is before they come. Um, and then we contrast it with society, which is what I would call post-modernity which is where these ideas actually infiltrate how society is today. The fact that if we're constantly living in flux, then what does that say about our identity? We're in a constantly shifting um, environment. We, well, the last time I taught this, I think Trump was in power or people were still aware of who Trump was. And we talk about how in the news cycles, he said something really controversial and upset people in the morning. And then by the end of the week, you've completely forgotten what he said and what he's done. Um, you know, the way people dress, the idea of pastiche, I'll always kind of point out the way you guys dress is how I used to dress back in like the 90s and 2000s. So culture is constantly repeating itself in the society we currently live in. Um, so therefore, we can argue that that's part of that too. Um, and just try and relate it to them in the environment that they're in. The, the best story I actually have is from a student last year and it wasn't really getting with postmodernism. You kind of felt it was a bit pie in the sky, academic, you know, blowing smoke or, or whatever. Um, but he started a job at a cinema and we would, we did a lesson on Foucault, kind of introducing Foucault's path power and postmodernism and surveillance. And I said, the reason why I set the tables out in a kind of horseshoe is it's like a panopticon. It's so I can actually see. <laughs> Exactly. Doing in that sense and i said no matter where you go you know your phones are listening to you uh for example jeff bezos is probably listening to what you want to buy for example um, if you leave this room there's security cameras and there might be no one watching you but you might think someone's watching you and so therefore you will behave and correct yourself and behave accordingly and uh, the student went to work and he was called to the manager's office and he looked over at the screen and he could see that they that they were monitoring the cameras and seeing what was going and he came in the next lesson he goes reese i didn't really buy what you were saying but i've seen it now and it's it, it's it, that's actually how it works so i 
again, I don't know if that really answers the question, but it's trying to contrast those theoretical elements to see how that complements the society we live in, or we could at least apply it to the society we live in and the uh, experiences that we have. Yeah, I think I think the key there was what you're saying. Like, definitely, cause I, I I hear what you're saying in the sense that. I use the word you use the word pie in the sky, and I think for some for, for some students it feels like it like it ticks all those sociological tick boxes of like people uh, sitting down, I don't know, pondering the well. That's why I put you know prefer this pondering uh, place modernity, you know, sort of considering like a sort of edge on philosophy there. But and so students find that that bit of the sociology quite abstract. But actually, if you can apply it to their real life and their real life examples, um, that makes it a little bit more accessible for students i think um like those examples that you've you've used um and i think students can pull all those ideas together um a little bit better and i think if you sort of as well as you've said like if you can pin it not only to their real life but as you're going along where you're sort of either visiting it in the family or in education or where you're looking at it in um cultural identity for argument's sake or into crime then actually it feels that you're you're exploring it consistently and there's some units i think um lend themselves better than others different topics that lend themselves better to, to dealing with post-modernity for argument's sake or um, post-modernist theory um i was thinking about sort of like studies and names obviously you've mentioned some and some of those i don't personally use as well are there certain like if you're a sociology teacher and you're thinking to yourself you know i need to maybe read some read some more on this i need to understand this a little bit better are there sort of obviously you've got the indicative uh list on the on lots of examples or have their indicative lists but is there any ones that you'll go to that you think actually as a sort of starting point particularly for those people that are new to sociology um or sociology teaching because some of those could be fairly abstract for for teachers to get their heads around yeah um i mean to be honest with you uh postmodernism if you start reading it it's pretty hard to get your head around it, even if you read it so uh one of the more famous books, which I think is now one of the most quoted books in higher education, which is uh, Deleuze and Gattari's A Thousand Plateaus. Um, and the way you read it, you can either read, if you read it in a kind of structured way, front to back, you're not going to take from the book what the authors want you to take. So you have to kind of read it, find a concept, go to the index, find that concept and find where it is in the book to piece together what their argument is. So the, it can be very, very daunting. Um, in terms of approaches to sociology, I think the easiest uh, books to read to kind of get your head around post-modernity in, in terms of society is David Harvey's book on the condition of post-modernity. It's very, very good. The first chapter contrasts uh, modernism and post-modernist society very, very well, where he talks about modernism was about um, moving towards a future um, improving society or the idea that we could make things better. Um, so things like Marxism and functionalism and modernist theories, because they believed we could use scientific methods to understand how society works and then improve it. So for functionalists, it's about understanding how everything functions and then making it function better to improve. Or for Marxism, about how capitalist work, capitalism works to then create communism and make a fairer society. Um, whereas when we contrast that with postmodern society, all of those modernist projects kind of died in the long 20th century. So fascism is obviously part of a modernist thinking. Communist societies were part of modernist thinking. And all of these things led to obviously thousands and thousands of deaths. So when we shift to the postmodern society, kind of argues that postmodernism is about rejecting 
the idea of truth for that reason that we can't necessarily improve what is here, but it can be more uh, open. Uh, Jameson is also very good. Um, his is quite similar to the condition of uh, what David Harvey has written, um, but he goes into more of the cultural aspect that postmodern culture is based on pastiche and repetition. So when I was saying before about students dressing like they're from uh, the 2000s or they're from the 90s, um, all of that is something that we can point out uh, to show how it's not to say postmodernism's run out of ideas per se, but it's very much based on recycling things that have already come. Um, so that would be kind of what I would recommend for society. Uh, Mark Fisher's book uh, on the, the slow cancellation of the future. It's a very, very short book, but there's a section in postmodernism and what postmodernism is. So he explores postmodernism through looking at Margaret Thatcher's famous quote that there is no alternative. And as a result of that, I mean, you could probably pinpoint the start of post-modernity with Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan for, from that sense that everything is just a repetition of, of the past. And he does a good explanation of, of looking at that, but it comes to a more depressing conclusion, uh, in the sense that we've lost our vision of the future through post-modernism. Um, mm, that's the idea of being disillusioned potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd recommend that one. If you actually wanted to get into the theory, I would probably recommend um, Deleuze's book on Foucault, because I think he condenses him quite well. Um, I did Foucault for my masters. And when I was trying to get my head around him, uh, I did feel a lot of the books I was reading didn't really understand what he was saying either, where they just kind of repeat his concepts without fully explaining them. Whereas I think Deleuze does a good job, particularly in the early chapters of explaining where he's coming from. Um, and for Baldriard, uh, you can watch my YouTube video on Baldriard. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's fine. I'll sort you out for that one. Um, where I kind of use like contemporary memes to show how things become a simulation. So I think Baldriard's quite hard to get your head around as well, because I know in online discourse, there's a lot of discussion about we're living in the matrix, living in the simulation, and that's become an idea in itself. But that's not what Baldriard is, is actually saying. Um, he's kind of saying things have been removed from their original uh, source and they've become a simulation in that one. So I would recommend that, but I'd also recommend reading Baldriard's book, um, but it can be a challenging read. If you need something to get your head around quickly, then sometimes YouTube videos can be the best way. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, it, there's a, and there's a whole wealth is there, isn't there, in that information. It's a condensing it down for the students that it's accessible. So, you know, obviously, theoretically, it, it's good for us for like, you know, sort of the idea of being uh, aware of what's going on, but also be able to condense that down to our students um, with that because I think that's I think it's worth pointing out like I think it's it's I mean like you said it has to be holistic in the sense that we sort of you look at uh, postmodernism and postmodernity through your topics but then obviously there's the debate in itself do we live like you know postmodernity versus late modern modern uh, late oh yeah I was talking about uh, late modernity actually I just had that was my head and uh, modernity um, but also, obviously, you can use it as well into the sociology as a science debate as well. So I think, I think it's so important that that trend is 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 dipped into all the way through, so that it's sort of like revisited because it's not like oh we just learned that there and that's it, and then we don't have to look at it again. It's something that's looked at again and again and again, and also even the relationship between theory and methods, because obviously the the theory you have depends on the methodology or your attitude towards methodology. Um, so yes, I've. Late before you go, late modernity. We talked about post modernity. We talked about modernity. Late modernity. I know there's a discussion. Do you teach it? Do you not teach it? If so, why? If, if not, why? And if so, how? 
if if you're approaching teaching post-modernity, I think it's impossible to teach you without actually covering modernity or late modernity. Mm. I mean, the, the, for me, the debate is uh, essentially we've shifted from an early modern society to a modernist society, which is based on the pursuit of, the pursuit of truth, academic and scientific understanding of, of the world around us and wanting to actually change that, whether that is in the sciences, whether it's in sociology or whether that is within artistic movements. So someone like uh, David Bowie is probably a good example of an artistic modernist way, he's kind of constantly breaking the boundaries of his sound to develop something new and then never returning to what he did uh, before. Uh, maybe Marky e. Smith might be another example from the fall as well um, of that. Whereas, just dropping music references. <laughs> things um in fact yeah, music is a good way to understand it so if you contrast that with post-modernity so if you think about popular music genres now um tends to be kind of dance hip-hop a lot of that is recycled pastiche and it's about piecing things together so it's impossible to look at postmodernism without looking at it through that contrast and i think that makes it a lot easier for students to understand that change and then we can introduce that debate of, of late modernism where you know some would argue that we're living in a postmodern society which is about you know these ideas that we've discussed about pastiche or there be no structure or there be no um no no kind of truth in our society to a late modernist society which kind of argues that some of those elements of postmodernism are true but there are still some fundamentals which are which guide us so for example if we're talking about late modernist perspectives of childhood Postmodernists would argue, or, or even uh, age, for example, postmodernists would probably argue that there's no limit on age. You can be whoever you want. You can appear however you want. We have plastic surgery now, which can alter your appearance, and uh, you know you no longer have to fit into these boundaries. But late modernists kind of make the good point of, well, actually, for some people, that's not true. It almost seems like for if, if you're from a poorer social economic background, that that opportunity to express your age or appear whatever age you want is not not open to you and so i think if we're pre presenting late modernism i'd normally present it alongside the, that discussion um because even when picking your identity i mean picking your identity is something that is open to everyone so the late modernists definitely have that um that, that perception or that argument. I think the confusion comes is because uh, Giddens fits in both postmodernism in the family section, but then he's late modernism in the other one. I personally would argue he's a late modernist, um, but for the sake of the specification, we can roll with that. Um, yeah, I, find that, I think the students find that quite difficult, isn't it? Because it's sort of like, I mean, I don't know when you bring in the term late modernism, but I don't actually, in all honesty, I don't know if I'm, you know, it's because I feel like you don't want information overload students. I feel like, I sort of bring in post-modernity throughout, but don't really talk about the concept of late modernity until um, I teach the theory and methods element to it, just because I feel like, well, the way I sort of, I don't know if this is, you know, great to bounce ideas with you, that's the purpose of the podcast, is that I sort of say, the, I set my stall out in year 12 and say, oh, look, at the moment I teach you things in dichotomies and they're sort of at this point and then what you'll start building these sort of grey areas and the same one, I know we spoke about uh, Marxism, so I sort of do the same and then I sort of filter that in and the same with, as feminism's different, I bring that in straight away, um, I think because students have a narrative of that. But and then I say, well, actually, 
like anything, it's a spectrum. And then I start filtering it as I go on. So by the time of the end of year 12, then we're having that sort of late modernity, modernity, post-modernity debate in a bit more detail. Um, I don't, again, I'd love to hear your view. Like what, what do you do? Do you sort of wait till that point? Like when you're teaching your theory and methods or do you bring in late modernity a lot earlier in say the family unit or in education? Yeah, no, I bring it into the into the family unit quite early on because it's a really, really good evaluation point if they get a question coming up on, on postmodernism or postmodernity. Because um, the late modernists, I think, kind of, for some students, when you teach postmodernism, I think they listen and they find it very liberating that actually, oh, there are no rules, there's no structure. And then it's a good way to kind of bring it back down and get them thinking critically um, as to whether they would actually be, they would actually achieve it or not. So I try to kind of filter it in as we go through mm -hmm. if that makes sense and then again it's back to that holistic so i just keep repeating myself until it becomes um commits to memory basically yeah um, so yeah filtering quite early on yeah because it's just knowing when to sort of i suppose it's different groups of students and what their needs are and and what they do but it's sort of it's there's so much sort of in sociology to discuss and it's, it's interesting to hear what different teachers are doing at what point they're bringing different things in. Um, and like I said, I think it's worth noting this, in, worth, I've said it before, there's indicative material um, and it's not what you have, you know, those names aren't the ones on the list that you have to teach or, um, and that, that ultimately there's a little more flexibility and choice on that. And there's different ways to evaluate, isn't there? That for the postmodern argument, you can you can evaluate through different theories as well. And evaluation isn't always criticism as well. Um, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's so much discussion around that to that that topic and whether how much of that we teach and when we we teach that. Um, and I think you said you teach theory and methods at the end of year twelve. Is that right? And uh, I think it's year 13. About year 13 actually. Yeah. Oh, sorry, year 13. Okay, so that's, yeah, and so they but then you filtered that all the way through. Yes, so we'll yeah. do the debate section at the end of year 12, you know, the theoretical debates, and mm. then we'll bring the theory in um, when they come back. So it kind of follows on because it makes it easier for me doing crime and then looping back that way. Um, but yeah, in, in, terms, in terms of teaching it, it can be difficult, but I think the more you can repeat it and go over it the easier it is for students to grasp um but normally it'll be the simulation stuff that's quite abstract and quite tricky so i imagine if you're teaching like the media, yeah, uh, media topic that would be quite a challenge um dealing with baldriard and how our perceptions of the media is is open i mean i think last year when we did it we used it to kind of look at so baldriard writes a book about the the gulf war did not happen or it was a series of of articles and he's not saying that, that war didn't happen but about media perceptions of it it's like it didn't actually happen so we try to use that as a basis and apply it to current contemporary wars that are going on so i think with postmodernism and modernism if you are teaching it, it's trying to relate it to the students as much as possible uh, a really good resource is there's a really good documentary on bbci by adam curtis called i can't get you out of my head uh, it's quite long um but there are clips in it that are very very useful uh where he's kind of talking about postmodernism and the lack of ideas that have come from postmodernism and actually how that impacts our our society and has led us to the position that, that we are in now where it's hard to imagine what a future would be because any kind of conception of the future is either quite 
downbeat or it doesn't have any hope or it's a repetition of what we've already got. Um, and he kind of explores sociologically how we could potentially look at a way out of that. But the students are quite responsive to that documentary because he talks about various political instances and uh, puts it in a globalised context as well, which is a key feature of postmodernism. So in terms of a resource, I'd recommend Adam Curtis. I think there's another one called Odearism, which is about non-linear warfare as well, which is a kind of method of postmodern warfare where the aim is to confuse people as to what is actually going on so that these atrocities can can continue. And that's quite a good, again, another good way of contextualising these. Oh, yeah. And also good for us thinking, if you're teaching that before crime, you can bring that in, into sort of state crimes potentially or human rights crimes and sort of make that link across uh, there as well, because obviously that's where we sort of revisit post-modernity at that point. Um, so that sort of keeps that, that loop going on um, for teachers. I know that's one a big sort of discussion debate at the moment is, is, is the structural scheme of works and how you do it and when you do it. And I think, I mean, I just had a conversation just previously about this, that I don't think there is a perfect way. I think there's lots of different ways. I think it depends on lots of factors like your, I don't know what you think, but your, your teacher's expertise, um, how many hours everyone's got, uh, your cohort with students, how many hours you've got, because different schools will have different hours. Um, and also I think it's knowing like your students' own comfort zones and how far you can stretch them and or where it's sequenced. Because obviously like, for example, if you teach say family and media or cultural identity that, that maybe post-modernity is something you'd need to talk about more than maybe other topics that might not be have that link to post-modernity in the same way. Um, so, and, and where you sequence stuff as well. Some people teach um, the options unit first and, and then education or vice versa. So lots to consider when, when also thinking about yeah. teaching uh, post-modernity. I mean, just on that in terms of like planning in general, because I mean, I remember when I first started teaching sociology, it, it is, because it's so flexible, it's quite daunting if you are a new mm. teacher and particularly if you're not a subject specialist. Um, it's very, very daunting in terms of how you approach it and how you teach it. Um, so I've kind of very slowly got used to that uh, as, as the kind of first and second year went on. But um, coming back to like when you teach postmodernism, I know some tutors teach it within the education module. Um, but for me, I personally don't do that just because I think it actually confuses some of the theory later on. So I think in a lot of the texts that I've read um, that guide postmodern education, uh, the argument is that education is about individualizing um, the specification and what we're teaching, which I can kind of see uh, where the argument comes from. But for me, I feel it like confuses Foucault when we come to studying him later on or when we're looking at the theory and methods section because Foucault's arguing that actually school isn't about you as an individual or individualizing content it's about control and mm. monitoring and it's another way to control and shift your identity through regimes of power um, so obviously you have to use quite a lot of professional judgment when you are covering any of the theories but postmodernism in particular as to what's not going to confuse students because I think it would be hard to say, oh, well, uh, this person thinks this. And then later on you go, well, actually, they, they think this, actually, we're going to adapt this in a different way. So I think mm. when, when you're planning, you kind of have to bear that in mind. Um, 
And like I say, if you are teaching education first, and I personally choose to avoid it. I don't know if you do. Do you include postmodernism? I do. I do. And it's just interesting because what you said about Foucault, where I personally sit Foucault is as a post-structuralist. So again, it's sort of, I find that different books say different things about where people sit um, and where people place different people um, in their sort of theoretical perspectives. I know that Foucault, I mean, maybe I'm completely making this up and I appreciate this could be a complete lie. I don't think even Foucault would class himself as a, a sociologist, but I couldn't, don't quote me on that. Like no one start saying anything, but I don't, th I feel like he was like more, oh my goodness, I'm gonna lie. I feel like I'm lying, but I wanna say like some sort of, he's like an activist, cause I know that he worked a lot on uh, LGBT rights um, and maybe would not have put himself even as a sociologist. And I think that sometimes, as well as say to so the students, I feel like the, even sociologists themselves will move themselves along the political um, spectrum and even myself as, as, a, as a sociology teacher I know that what I I like cherry picking different bits and that's why that's how I get out of like explain that how people might have contradictory views to what they had in the past and they might write something that seems something and they may do some more research and it then changes again or it slightly shifts and and that like people are ongoing constructions themselves and we negotiate our identities um, but yeah, I mean, I personally do teach education first, um, just because I just feel like, oh, you just, oh, is, is, yeah, did you say, who said that? Did you just say that or did? No, yeah, I said, yeah, yeah I, just say, yeah, I <laughs> teach it first, yeah. Yeah, I teach it first, sorry. I thought, sorry, I thought you said it. Yeah, I thought that, yeah, I thought I teach education first just because the students have an experience of education. So, um, I feel that for them that's a good segue in whereas if i go into i personally teach cultural identity i think that for the students that might feel a bit abstract and i do bring in post-modernity um in and also i talk about globalization as well in education so um yeah so yeah i suppose you could bring it in in globalization uh and that kind of brings it in a different one but like i think like you're saying with foucault that i think the problem for new, for new teachers why it's quite difficult postmodernism is Postmodernism itself is in, is kind of indefinable on purpose, and it means multiple different things to multiple different people. So, I mean, Foucault is particularly tricky because I mean he does write, I think, in the Archaeology of Knowledge, something like "Do not ask me who I am, and do not ask me to remain the same. Um, I'm constantly changing, so don't." Something about bureaucrats don't bureaucratize me. I'll write what I want, and I think that makes it even harder trying to explain to students that he's just evading labels. Uh, or evading actually what he's doing. I think at one point he called all of his um, historical accounts fiction, that there was no truth in it per se. But again, I think ex it's, it, to explain postmodernism, it's easier to explain their work than it is necessarily what they're saying. I don't know if you've found that too, but with Deleuze and Foucault, and they're just resistant to just being pinned down. And I think that in itself kind of explains what the whole thing is about. Um, and yeah. for a lot of students, usually at the end of the theory module, they kind of do think we are living in a somewhat postmodern society and it does link in with their experiences more than you think. Um, so the best way to manage it definitely is just relating it, relating it to them. Um, and a lot of the, I mean, there's one image that I have on my slides, again, just linking back to pastiche, which is, I think, Justin Bieber's wife and Princess Diana. And the, the shot is exactly the same with what they're wearing, how they've done their hair. And it's, but they're maybe like 30 years apart. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's the best way to do it. And in terms of sequencing, yeah. sequencing is something you can never, 
perfect because it's so loose. It's kind of like what works for you and taking your own judgment in that. So obviously we're both experienced at it, but we've taken completely different routes to uh, introduce it. Do you teach, what's your other option? Do you start with your option? So we do family and beliefs. So and do you start with family? So no, we start with education, then go into research methods and then family. And then we'll do theory, uh, debates, theory, crime, beliefs. Oh, I pretty much sequence the same order, but just switch out the two option modules to something different. So yeah, I do. I do exactly the same. Um, but again, I suppose it's depth of treatment as well with, with different students will come in with different depths of, of knowledge and understanding. Um, so you might feel like you're not going to pick something up at that point, but the students then say something because they're studying something in history or um, so. No, and English, I know, covers post-modernity as well. Um, and then therefore you find yourself talking about that in that lesson because they brought it up because they've talked about it in, in an English lesson or an art lesson or something like that. So as much as all well-intended plans, um, it, it's also the, the students that are in front of you and what they bring to the lessons as well. But yeah, it's so good to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you because it's a good thing to think about and think good thing to ponder because I think it's one of those things I think for lots of students and, and, and for teachers, it's, it's quite abstract. And I, I always think like, you know, like you said, they've got, postmodernism doesn't fit into a box where they're optimistic or pessimistic as such it, it they're just sort of commenting on what's going on and but in within themselves they they change their perspectives on that um and like like you said relating it to real life where possible as is always a good rule of thumb for for us as teachers to do that with our students um thank you again for your time i really really appreciate it. i look forward to hopefully getting you on again and talking about uh your new role as head of department or uh, yeah, manager manager so was it again? I can't remember. So program manager, but head of department. Program manager, yeah, program manager. I'm not, I'm not... Some uh, reflections on that actually. So yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, maybe from a postmodernist perspective. Yeah, we could. I could do reflections from a postmodernist perspective for sure. I mean, I could only describe the experience starting as postmodern. To be honest, it's just yeah. constantly in flux. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, amazing! Thank you for your time and enjoy the rest. Of no, your thank day. you for having me back. Thank you. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. The Sociology Stuff Room is brought to you by tutor to you Sociology. Find us at tutor2u.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutor2usoc or Instagram at tutor2usoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.